good. Man, it's good to see you guys. I'm so glad that, that we're able just to gather and worship like that. And, and just to cry out to God and, and to give him thanks and, and to do that together. So I, I'm glad you're with us uh, this morning. I'm glad you're in the room. I'm thankful for those who might be watching online that you're able to be with us. And, and uh, I, I've got a lot to cover today, um, a, a lot of things I, I just want to dive into. But before we do, I, I do have to just share uh, two things in the way of announcement. All right, that's the easiest way to say it. it's an announcement. Um, but, but more than that, it's exciting stuff, okay? And the first thing uh, that I wanna let you guys know, we just found this out um, in the middle of the week and got to announce it for the first time Thursday night. Um, but for the first time since COVID, we have now been given, given permission to go back into the J. Reuben Long Detention Center as a church, okay? So that is huge. Huge, and, and I know many of you are new with us since COVID, so, so just to make sure you understand what that means, is before COVID hit, we used to do services every Sunday at J. Reuben Long, which is the local detention center, right? Um, and when we'd get done with this service, we'd basically at about one o'clock, 1.30, we'd start another service there and we'd run them all afternoon in all different cell blocks and uh, had a great experience. We'd watch the service, we'd worship together, hear from the word of God, and then kind of have a small group setting with the residents there. And, and the, just the ministry that took place, uh, what God did behind bars was phenomenal. And there are, are many who call the rock home today who first started attending when they were at J. Rubin, all right? And uh, for the first time, we now get to go back in, all right? So I'm excited about that, fired up about that. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's incredible. Um, so right as we're celebrating bringing on our fourth campus with, with the South Strand, we're getting ready to bring our fifth campus back online, which is J. Rubin. But for that to help happen, we need help. That's just the bottom line is we need VIPs, which is a vision-inspired person. Other people would call them volunteers. We need volunteers who are willing to go to J. Rubin and serve. That you'd be willing to say, hey, when, when, I'm, when I'm done at church, I'm gonna go there and I'm gonna do church with some of the residents. And we need to get a team put back together who's willing to do that um, on a weekly basis or an every other week basis, um, however you wanna do that. But we want to have you involved. So. What I encourage you to do, if you're interested, just stop by the Connect Corner after service, all right? Just go to the Connect Corner and say, I like more information about J. Ruben Long. And then our team that's in charge of that, they'll get in touch with you, they'll explain it. And here's the goal. As soon as we have enough VIPs, and we have enough VIPs that have been trained with background checks, we'll start services again. We're not gonna be able to do that in a one week's time, but, but my prayer is that we can do it as soon as possible because there are men and women at J. Ruben Long who need to find what matters. Agree? So let's jump up and let's help out that way. Secondly, just a reminder that last week uh, we shared a vision that we wanna give $100,000 to missions in the month of June. 
that in addition to our regular giving as a church, that, that I've challenged the, the whole church that we would come up with an additional $100,000 in giving this month that will go straight to missions. And we're going to send that uh, to the Dominican Republic, to Go Ministries. We're going to partner with, with the Tyners. We're going to partner with another staff member from The Rock. And we're going to go and we're going to do some amazing ministry and church planning on the island uh, there with Dominican and Haiti and then some other countries as well. So I've challenged the church. If you don't give, start giving. Um, if you do give, maybe give some extra or if you can give a one-time gift, do so. But my prayer is during the month of June that we will fully fund that mission effort. Uh, so if you're interested in doing that, then I wanna encourage you to go on the Rock app or use the boxes or stop by the Connect Corner and talk to somebody if you need more help, all right? Now, with, with the message of today, let me dive into it. We're in this series called Quest. And, and I wanna start by, by just asking us all a general question, all right? Whether you're in high school, uh, college, uh, senior citizen, I think it applies to all of us. Just a general question. Is there something in your life that you have wanted to fix, but you just haven't got around to it? You know what I'm saying? Like something. It can be something like personal. It can be something about your body. It could be a light bulb that needs fixed. It could be something that needs to be hung. It can be a car that needs to work. Anybody with me that you've got something in your life that you need to fix, but you just haven't got around to it, all right? And, and this is not what I want to happen, and I see it happening, is ladies, you looking at your man like, yep, you remember that honey-do list, get it done, right? That's not the purpose of the message. But, but I have one of those things. I, I actually brought it with me. It's this bike. Now, this bike has been through what I would call an accident. It did not get run over. The car didn't run over or anything. But, but what happened is one day, my youngest son, Tate, came home. And when he came home and came into the front yard with this bike, in a fit of anger, he picked it up and threw it across the yard. Which I thought one is pretty impressive to throw it across the yard, okay? But, but in doing so, bent the handlebars, bent the front fork, bent the rims, busted up the seat. I mean, this bike is a mess and it's Tate's fault. <laughs> By the way, this is Clay's bike. Not even Tate's bike, it's Clay's bike. And, and when it happened, I was like, Tate, what are you doing? He's like, I'm just so angry. And, and I was like, okay, one, that's not how we deal with anger. And we had to deal with that and take care of that. But when that was done, I then went to Clay and I said, Clay, I know it's messed up, but I promise I'll get it fixed. That was eight years ago. <laughs> That was before I even moved to Horry County. This happened when we were in Illinois and I took it and I put it in my garage and I hung it on the wall and said, I gotta get around to that. And then we moved and I was like, I gotta get around to that. I hung it in my garage and every day when I pull into my garage and I park my car, I look up and I see it hanging right in the same spot going, one day I'll fix that. Why haven't I? I mean, it's probably the same reasons you haven't fixed some of the things that you were thinking about earlier. I mean, maybe it's because I just don't have time, right? 
Maybe it's because, um, well, I don't know how much it's going to cost. And so I don't know if it's a good week to go get it fixed. Or I don't know the right bike shop. Or, or, or maybe my why is like, because my kids all have their driver's license now and they don't even need the bike anymore. That's not the reason. Here's the reason why I haven't fixed it. It's not worth it to me. Have you, have you thought about that? It doesn't matter enough to me to fix it. Like, like maybe I will at some point, but the reason I haven't fixed it yet is because it isn't worth it yet. Do you see what I'm getting at? Because if this really mattered to me, I would have already fixed it. Am I correct? You see what I'm getting at? You get me, Blake? That, that if, if, if it was worth it, I would have already fixed it. But I don't find enough value in it to fix it yet. And, and that might be the reason you haven't fixed that light bulb. That might be the reason you haven't fixed that car. That might be the reason that, that you haven't done something. But what if it's a... What if it comes to something that matters a little bit more? Like, like, let's just be honest, a light bulb really maybe doesn't matter. And the bike maybe really doesn't matter. But what if it's an area in my life that does matter? That you look at and you say, you know what? That's worth fixing. Well, if it is worth fixing, how do we do it? And I want to share with you today, like, how we can go on a quest to get well in some certain areas. And fortunately for us, we can look straight to Scripture. We can see a time in Jesus' life where he came across somebody who wanted to get well, and Jesus said, well, then we can make that happen. And we'll read about it in, in what's called the book of John. Uh, the book of John is found in the Bible. You hear me say this all the time, that, that John is, is a biography written about Jesus. That Jesus was a guy, or excuse me, John was a guy who traveled with Jesus. He followed Jesus. He experienced everything Jesus did when he was on earth. And then when John was getting towards the end of his life, he wrote down this biography about Jesus. And we still have it today as a reliable source of Jesus' life. And so, so what I want to do is I just want to dig into it and we'll see a story that maybe will help us maybe get well in some areas of our life. Let's, let's look at it. That John chapter five, starting in verse one, reads like this. It says, afterwards, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was a pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, or paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. Now, let, let me... Let me dive into this for just a second to make sure we're all on the same page, that, that there was this place called um, the, the Pool of Bethesda, that it was this little pool area in Jerusalem, and, and the people thought that there was a healing power in the pool. 
And that the waters would stir, and when the waters would stir, the first one who would get in, they would actually be healed, all right? Now, we don't know why the waters stirred, all right? They believed back then that an angel would come by and, and stir the waters. Could that have happened? Possibly, but, but we don't know. Other people think that under the pool of Bethesda was a natural spring, and through this natural spring, every now and then the, the spring would hit a certain current or something that would cause the water to, 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 to boil, to, to stir. Maybe, we don't know exactly why, but for some reason it would happen and people believed that you would be healed. Whether or not they were or not, again, we don't know, but we know that the blind, the lame, the paralyzed, they would lie there hoping that this would happen. And there we have a guy who'd been there for 38 years. And then we continue on the story. It says this, when Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? I, I find that question interesting. Would you like to get well? What do you think, right? I mean, if you're the guy who'd been there for 38 years and a guy came in and said, would you like to get well? I can imagine this guy looking at Jesus going, duh, right? Like, have you ever been in a hospital bed and the doctor came in and said, would you like to get well? Yes, ladies, like, like maybe you were in labor and they said, would you like an epidural? Why not, right? Like, like, that's a stupid question. Like, of course I want to get well. Well, then, why, why did Jesus even ask it? And I, I wonder if it's because sometimes we really don't want to get well. We, we say we do, but we don't really want to. It would be like me saying, I think I'm going to drink less Diet Coke and more water. No, I'm not, right? Like, like sure, I get, nah, you know? I think I'm gonna give up donuts. Nah. Like, we'll say we wanna get well, but do we really want to? And, and Jesus saw this in this guy, and, and I think he was taking him to a whole nother level. And the reason why is that I believe this is because the word here, do you wanna get well? That, that word in the original language that Jesus spoke was Greek. And that word doesn't just mean well, like healthy. It means whole. It means complete. So what Jesus was doing is he was looking at this guy saying, do you wanna be whole? Do you wanna be complete? And that takes on a whole nother level, doesn't it? I mean, think about in your life. Do you want to be whole? In your life, do you want to be complete? Uh, think about some, some areas specifically. If I could just use some, like, like generalities, if, if I could say it that way. Like, think about your life physically. Do you want to get whole physically? Think about your life financially. Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be complete when it comes to your finances? Think about your life mentally. 
Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be complete when, when you think about your mentality? Uh, think about relationally. Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be complete? Think about spiritually. Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be complete? And my guess is in those five areas that I mentioned that you at least in one of those areas would say, man, I'd like to be whole and complete in that area. Like I'd like to be well in that area. And if that's the case, well, how do we do it? Well, like if I do wanna be well, if I want in that area of my life to be well, what do I actually do? Well, fortunately, the story tells us. And what the story tells us is, is first, if you wanna be whole, if you wanna be complete, quit making excuses. It's really that simple. That if you wanna be whole, you wanna be complete, you wanna be well in those five areas, Quit making excuses. That's what Jesus said to the guy because the guy started with an excuse. Remember, Jesus said, do you wanna be well? And the guy's simple reply was this, I can't. I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. This is John chapter five, verse seven. I can't. I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Do you know what I see there? Excuses. Do you see them? You get me? I can't. That's an excuse. I have no one to put me in the water. That's an excuse. Someone else will get there first. That's an excuse. I mean, think about it for a second. If this pool really did have healing power and you were lame and when the waters were stirred, the first one to get in would be healed. If that was true, where would you hang out? At the edge of the water. I mean, you'd be like, I'm waiting. I'm right here. Right? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? And I, I just, I just kind of do that, that rollover real quick, right? I mean, I mean, that's where we would go. But there's an excuse. I, I can't. No one's here to carry me. And even if there was someone, someone else would get there first. It's their fault that I'm in this position. Excuse, excuse, excuse but I don't think we're really any better. Physically, we make excuses. I don't have time to work out. I don't have the time or the money to eat healthy. Um, I was gonna go on a diet this week, but somebody brought donuts into the office. I was gonna diet this week, but it's my birth week, right? Or it's my kid's birth week. Or it's my aunt's birth week. It's somebody's birth week somewhere in the world. So I'm eating cake. We make excuses physically. We make excuses financially. Man, I'd like to live on a budget, but, but that's hard work. I tried to live on a budget, but then my, my car broke down. That, that I want to give to God, I, I just don't have any extra money. Or I give to God, but there's, there's no way I can give 10%. Like that, that that's, I, I just can't do that. Those are excuses. That, that I can't 
do what God's calling me to do. That I don't have the ability to do what God's calling me to do. That no one will help me do what God's calling me to do. That I want to go do something for God, but somebody else is doing it first. Those are excuses mentally. Relationally, well, you don't understand what it's like to live with them. That's an excuse. That we've tried, but we just can't figure out a way to make it work. That's an excuse. That they actually talked about me first. That's an excuse. Josh, you don't understand the people I go to school with, man. That, 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 that's just how they are. So That's an excuse. Spiritually. That I, I, I can't make it to church every weekend. I mean, I come once, once a month. Isn't that good? That's an excuse. That, that I'd love to serve, but, but I wouldn't be able to be there every weekend. So then there'd be weekends I wouldn't be able to serve. And it'd be better that if I didn't serve than for me not to be able to serve every now and then. No, that's an excuse. I, I don't have time to read, read my Bible and to pray. That's an excuse. I, I, I hear that one from young adults and high schoolers often. As I'm talking with young adults and high schoolers, they'll be like, Josh, I, I mean, I'd love to. I, I just don't have the time. And here's what I say every time. And it's the same thing I would say to any of you all if you said, I don't have the time to, to read God's word. The first thing I would say is, do you have time to brush your teeth? And if you said no, I'd say, get out of my face. <laughs> but, but when I ask that, every young adult says, yeah. And I say, okay, did you have time to eat today? Yeah. Did you have time to go to the bathroom today? Yeah. I said, why do you do those things? And the, the answer is always like, uh, and I said, you do those to stay healthy. You brush your teeth, you eat, and you go to the bathroom to stay healthy. If you eat and then you don't go to the bathroom, you will not be healthy. We all understand that. So it's like, we'll take time to brush our teeth, to eat, and to go to the bathroom because we know that's how we are healthy. And if that's how we are healthy, then reading God's word is how you stay healthy. So just make time. That's how it works. And, and every time the young adults, they go, all right, Josh, you got me. But then people will say this. It's like, well, I'll read, but I don't understand. And since I can't understand, well, then then I just quit reading. Let me speak into that one for a second. I just got done kind of picking on the young adults, so let me pick on those of you who are married. If you're married, raise your hand. Go ahead, let's go ahead and all admit if you're married. All right, so, so I'm gonna speak into your life right now. I just said that sometimes we don't understand God's word, so we quit reading it. All of you who just raised your hand, you don't understand the person you're sitting next to. Guys, you do not understand your wife fully. You might understand parts of her, but you don't understand everything about her. Well, nobody's willing to say amen on that. All I know inside, you're all like, you write, you preach, but you know that you don't understand. Just because you don't understand, does that mean that you quit talking to them? No. You figure it out. You have to. Let me talk to you married people again. When you first got married, you probably didn't understand sex very well, but that didn't stop you from trying to figure it out. <laughs> Am I right? Amen. 
Like, like if you think about it, because I don't understand, I just throw my hands up. No, you go, I'm going to figure this out, baby. We got to keep trying and we got, we got to figure it out. I'll talk to, to people who are getting ready to get married. And, and I just talked to somebody about this like two weeks ago. And they're like, you know, we're trying to do it God's way. So we have it and I, we don't know how well we will do it. And I said, it's all right. You got the rest of your life to figure it out. Don't make excuses because they don't get us anywhere. The man said, I, I can't, I can't. No one will get me there. They beat me. Let's quit making excuses. You want to get whole, complete, well, two simple things. Don't make excuses and do what he says. It's really that simple. Just quit making excuses and just do what he says. Let me take you back to, to the scripture here. It says this in John chapter five, verse eight. It says, Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, again, well, make sure we catch this. This guy had never met Jesus. He had no clue who this guy was. Some random dude steps up and says, do you want to get well? And the guy's probably looking at him like, well, who are you? Of course I want to get well. So Jesus looks at him and says, well, then stand up. Like, it's that simple. Just stand up. Pick up your mat. And go. And I can imagine immediately, like all of a sudden, the guy started feeling a tingling in his legs that he had never felt. That all of a sudden, his toes started to wiggle. And he's like, oh my, this is working. The power of God came into him. And all of a sudden, he stood up. I imagine he started dancing around, jumping around, going, I'm doing it. How was he able to do it? Because he did what Jesus said to do. Can, can you imagine that, that if, can, just think about this. Imagine if Jesus would have said, stand up. And he's like, I can't. Pick up your mat. I can't. Well, I feel something, but I can't. No, he did what Jesus said to do. And for some of you today, that's where it starts. That you just need to do what Jesus says to do. That maybe today is the first time that you'll ever have an encounter with Jesus. That you've never maybe really had an encounter. You find yourself, you don't even really know who this Jesus guy is, but you're like, I'm in. Something's happening, I'm in. And I challenge you to do what he says. Do what he says by responding to his voice, but then fully do what he says. Here's what I mean. Surrender to him as your savior, but also as your Lord. Now, I'm going to keep going for about nine minutes, but I, I just need to tell you right now, the next nine minutes, you have to put your big boy pants on. Next nine minutes, if you got a cup, put it on. For you athletes who understand that. Because the next nine minutes is tough. There's no way around it. And the reason it's tough, it's because it's exactly what scripture says. He said, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. And then he went from there, he ran into some people and they said, you're walking? He said, yeah, some dude healed me. He said, who? He goes, I have no clue. Some guy said, stand up and walk. So I'm walking, that's all I know. And then a little bit later, he came in contact with Jesus and look what it says. But afterwards, 
Jesus found him in the temple and told him, now you are well, so stop, what's that word? Sinning. Now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. That, that he looks at him and he says, you think you had it bad when you were lame for 38 years? It's only going to get worse if you continue sinning. That I have made you well. I have made you whole. I have made you complete. So now walk in a newness of life. And I want you to understand where he told him this. At the temple. See, when he first met Jesus, he was just out and about. Now he's in the temple. Now he's at a place where he's like, I've come to the temple because I want to worship God. I want to connect with God. And Jesus says, okay, then stop sinning. Then stop sinning. And I think in those areas that I mentioned earlier, we can look at those and we can just get real clear and say, stop sinning. Like what would it look like if we said, physically, my life is out of order? Well, then stop sinning. What if I said uh, that I want to use my body for Jesus, for God? Romans 6 reads it like this. It says, do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Any part. I'll get to that in a second. Instead, give yourself completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Use your whole body, everything in your body, use it for the glory of God. Yet, yet if we're honest, we often mess this up. We mess this up sexually, that we don't use our body sexually for the glory of God. That, that we're in a, in a place where we, we ignore what God has to say when it comes to biblical sex. And we just say, well, I'll decide how sex is best. That we've decided as a culture, we'll decide how sex is best. But last time I checked, as a culture, it's not going very well. So what would it look like if we just said, I'm gonna do what God says. What would it look like if I just said, I'm gonna practice sex the way God says sex would, should be practiced. That when I'm dating somebody, I'm going to do what God says and I'm gonna avoid it. When I'm married, I'm gonna stick to my marriage bed and it's gonna be between me and my spouse because we're simply gonna do what God says. Let's stop sinning and let's do what God says. But, but think about this physically, like also like with your mouth. With our mouth, we gossip. With our mouth, we lie. With our mouth, we slander. With our mouth, we cuss. I mean, these are all things we do with our mouth. And we'll say, man, it's no big deal. I mean, everybody cusses. I mean, it's, a, it's the job site. Everybody cusses on the job site. It's school. Everybody cusses at school. It's the locker room. Everybody cusses. It. You know, it's just, well, it's no big deal. No, it's actually a big deal. 
Scripture says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, except that which is beneficial for others. Which means cussing is a sin, gossiping is a sin, lying is a sin, slander is a sin. Those things are using our mouth for evil rather than as an instrument to glorify God. Like I said, it's not an easy part of the sermon. But what would it look like if we quit making excuses and we just do what God says? Or how about financially? That, that, what if we said, I'm gonna honor God with my wealth? Well, what if we said that I'm not gonna fall into greed's t- trap? Or what if we said, I'm gonna give to God in the way that God desires? And I'm not gonna rob from God. See the book of Malachi, he was a prophet from the Old Testament. He said, bring all the tithes. And that word tithe, I don't use that word very often because most of us have it confused. We think tithe means give. Tithe means 10%. So if I was to put this in, in, in Finkley language, it would say bring the 10%. That's what tithe means. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it, put me to the test. And I know when we hear this verse, we all wanna say, well, but, no, Well, but is an excuse. Let's not make an excuse. Let's just trust God at what he says and go, okay, God, if you say 10%, we're gonna do it. Now look at your your check that you get this week. Here's the easy way to figure that out. Take the decimal point, move it over one. That's 10%. And just give it to God. That, That if you're on salary, you can schedule it. You can automate it so that it automatically comes out. Do you realize that the only area of my life that I can automate my obedience to God is in giving? Like, I wish I could automate my obedience in every area of my life, right? Like, I promise you, my wife wishes that my mouth was automated. Understand? Like, probably a lot of us do. In my giving, I can actually automate my obedience. How about we stop sinning? And we just do what he says. That we do what he says mentally. Rather than saying, well, I can't. It's somebody else's fault. Why don't we just transform our mind? Romans chapter 12. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That God can change the way we think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. When it comes to relationships, what if we just loved God and loved people the way he calls us to? Mark chapter 12, and you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And what about spiritually? Like if I just said, I'm gonna quit making excuses spiritually and I'm just gonna follow God. I'm gonna do what he says. Then maybe my whole life would be an act of worship. 
Romans 12.1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. That's how you worship him, by giving him my whole life and say, Jesus, you've, you've got it all. I mean, think about it. The guy whose legs had just been healed, he came in contact with Jesus. He was in the temple. He was probably worshiping. And Jesus said, hey, if you really wanna be whole, stop sinning. If you really wanna worship me, stop sinning. And just do what I say. Think about those areas of our life. Physically, let's stop sinning and do what he says. Financially, let's stop sinning and do what he says. Mentally, let's stop sinning and let's do what he says. Relationally, let's stop sinning and do what he says. Spiritually, let's stop sinning. Let's repent and let's do what he says. Because here's the beauty, when we repent, when we tell God we're sorry and we say, Jesus, I'm in. No more excuses, I'm in. I'm just gonna do what you say. One, he forgives. And two, he moves you forward in life. And you can be whole and you can be complete and you can be healed. So why don't we do it? Because we don't think it's worth it. Why don't we just do what he says? because we make excuses and say, I'll get around to it. Guys, we're not talking about a bike. We're not talking about a light bulb. We're talking about your life, your soul, eternity. We're talking about your generation and every future generation after that. That what would happen if I quit making an excuse today and started living my life and simply doing what he says, it will change my life, it will change the lives of those around me, and it'll change future generations. So let's quit making excuses because we're not talking about a bike. And let's make a decision that he is worth it and that you are worth it and that the people in your life are worth it. And let's simply do what he says. Are you with me? Maybe what we need to do is while we're taking communion, say, Jesus, you're worth it and I'm done making excuses, I'm all in. Maybe you'll go to the prayer corner and say, I'm done making excuses, I'm all in. 
Maybe you'll say, I want to come in contact with Jesus for the first time. I want to feel the power of his Holy Spirit in me. I want to respond to him. Then come to the Connect Corner and pray with somebody. Quit making excuses and do what he says. Maybe it's taking a step of baptism. I'll tell you right now, the heater broke, the water's cold. Who cares? Quit making excuses. Just do what he says. Make room for Jesus because he's worth it. He's worth it. Won't you stand with me? Let's go into this time of response. Let's get rid of the excuses. Let's do what he says. If you need to talk with somebody, I'm right there at the Connect Corner. I'd love to chat with you.